Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I am Beth Syverson, a mom of an 18-year-old son, Joey, who's been dealing with addiction and mental health issues for several years. I am walking beside him as he manages his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. Today's guest is Yvette Harpudian, a certified life coach from Rhode Island, who's passionate about helping women get out of overwhelm, get more done, and release anxiety and self-sacrifice in order to feel better. I thought her message would be welcome here on Safe Home Podcast, since many in our audience are parents of adolescents. I know when Joey was in crisis mode, I almost completely lost myself for a while there before I got connected with Heather Ross, our life coach, who, by the way, went to the same coaching school as Yvette. It's a small world. In this episode, you will receive practical tools from Yvette that you can put into practice right away. Welcome to Safe Home Yvette. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much, Beth. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, So as a life coach, you primarily work with moms, right? Yes, I do. Why did you find that niche for yourself? What is it about that demographic? Probably because I was a stay-at-home mom myself, and I know a lot of the struggles and work and things that went into that. And I just, I guess I've been drawn to that with my clients, and I primarily have been helping stay-at-home moms, home-based moms and the issues they face. So, yeah. And how old are your kids now? My kids are 27 and 24. They're pretty well cooked. I'm over the, yeah, (laughs) over that that crazy time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Did they give you a run for your money or were they pretty calm or? I mean, I think the typical teenage boy and boy type things, but nothing, luckily everything is manageable, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And what do you notice in general from your clients? What could moms be doing better when their kids, especially when they're adolescents, what, what can moms be doing? Well, I guess from a, from a parent's perspective, I just feel that being present with them, having a great relationship with them is really important. Quality time. I think a lot of times, especially when they're younger, you know, solidifying that relationship with them is so important so that it can continue family time, fun time, communication time, and all of that. And so many times as parents, we're, we're either so distracted with, oh, I have to get this done. I, you're so short with your kids because you have this invisible workload of all these things that you have to do. And, you know, <laughs> you end up yelling at them or impatient with them and so forth. And also sometimes we overschedule our kids and then we're stressed because we're running here, there and everywhere. So I think just just really being present with them and spending time, because I think a lot of them will tell you that's so important. Yeah, I can identify with a lot of that. We were running joy from baseball to drum lessons to this yeah. and that and this and that. And thinking back before Joey was in crisis mode, just when he was a regular old teenager, that it sometimes felt he didn't want to hang out with us. Yeah. You know, he was kind of separating. And so how do you balance, you know, spending that quality time enriching your relationship when you can tell that he's pushing away? Yes. What is a mom to do? Yeah, I think communication again, you know, I think, you know, setting boundaries, setting maybe, you know, just open communication, knowing where they are, coming up with the time where they're going to be back. So there's just trust built on both sides. I don't, I don't coach a lot on advice on parenting, but I'm not a parenting coach, but I I think just from being a parent, I think that's that communication, that trust, that bond, keeping that relationship open, that communication open is really important. Yeah. I think when Joey was that age, I, I attributed too much to his 
adolescence, I just thought, okay, I guess that's what teenagers are like. But he was really throwing us some red flags that things were not going very good. But so I kind of dropped the ball on that. Yeah, you're the parent too, you know, so kids will push as much as they can, guilty doing all the things that, you know, assert their independence as much. But, you know, I guess we're still a parent. So, um, you know, we get to choose that. I know you typically work with moms. Do dads or Grandparents have the same kind of issues or is there something particular about the moms that our culture prescribes? Yeah, I think, you know, our culture is, and especially with the clients that I have, they're stay-at-home moms. I guess there could be stay-at-home dads as well. I don't, I don't work with them, but I think women are dealing with the overall job of caregiving and managing the household. The little catchphrase today is the invisible workload that women are carrying, Mm -hmm. like, We do all the things, getting the birthday gifts, driving around to the appointments, doing, you know, getting the laundry done, just all the, all the things that, you know, typically will fall under that category. Obviously, you know, every family dynamic situation is different and how they associate and, you know, agree upon who's doing what is different. But I guess, especially if you're not working out of the home mom or your stay at home mom, a lot of that becomes your responsibility, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's so much, um, just that, that managing layer that, that I don't, I'm gosh, I'm in a lesbian marriage, but still for some reason it's on me to just keep track of everything. You know, my wife will do stuff, but I'm still the one making sure it gets done and making sure that overall things are happening. I don't know why I gave myself that job. How did that happen? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. But it is true. There's Lots of things. And how much of it is things that we give ourselves and how much is like cultural? I wonder, you know, are we trying to kill ourselves on purpose? You know, are we? Exactly. Or how much do you really have to do? I mean, do you actually, if you really look at it and ask yourself, do you have to do anything, all of it, any of it really? Because, you know, you hear a mom say, I have to do this. I have to do this. And I have to do this. And I'm like, well, in reality, do you really have to? Okay. Yeah. Do you have to do the laundry? So what if it doesn't get done today or, oh, well, your kids will wear dirty clothes. I mean, in reality, you don't yeah. have to cook dinner. I think people could, I mean, when you say it that way, obviously you're going to be doing those things, but that some of the things like, do you have to go over and beyond and, you know, yeah. decorate this and that. And it's all yeah. a personal preference, I think, and what you feel comfortable with and what you want to give your time to. But that's where, you know, sometimes we get lost in getting gratification and importance from some of those things that we lose out on, you know, what else can we be doing for ourselves, volunteering for other interests, other passions that we have. So, yeah, there's always, you know, that star team mom or class mom or whatever that does all the decorating, all the treats and all the perfect, perfect everything. And I don't know. I always, I was not one of those moms, but I kind of was jealous of those moms that had it all put together, supposedly, but maybe they were also falling apart around the edges. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, the beauty is you get to choose. If it's something you really enjoy and, and want to do, then you can, you know, it's the pressure of, oh, I have to keep up with, or I have to compare with, or any of that stuff that becomes more of a burden, I think, you know, than just the sheer desire and want you know, just joy of doing it. Yeah. The comparing is so toxic. I think Mm. it's wonderful when women are supportive of each other and, you know, instead of comparing and 
kind of doing this ranking and rating all the time. We're just there for each other. I think that's really powerful when women can do that. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what do you say to moms who say they don't have time for self-care? They're like, oh, I can't even get my stuff done the way it is. What are, what are you asking me to do self-care for? Oh my gosh. It's such a big one, Beth. I think, yeah, self-care is definitely something I wanted to talk about. Basically, a belief is a thought we think about over and over and over again. So if you're constantly thinking, oh, I don't have time, I can't get anything done, you know, um, I have too much to do, then you're believing those thoughts and your brain is actually kind of, that's a well-worn groove in your brain that you've thought it so many times that it, it, it believes it's a fact, like you absolutely don't have time. Your brain is thinking that so, and your brain will scan your environment and your life to prove that thought because you've thought it so many times, like, I don't have time. Well then so-and-so, you know, spilled this milk and now I have to clean it. See, there's always a curveball. There's always something, you know? Uh-huh. So really those things just happen, but you could make it mean more than it is and, and have it be a roadblock. So um, I think the obstacles that I find most often is um, there's no time. Um, and that's obviously we all have the same amount of time. Yes. <laughs> so, so it's, it's how we spend that time and how we choose to spend that time. Yeah. And I, another obstacle is not knowing where to start. I've actually told people, I mean, I've actually heard people tell me, gosh, I like, I don't even know what, what I would do. I, I don't know where to start. Like, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. and also another big one, Beth is, is guilt. I think moms have a lot oh, yes. of guilt and they think, well, I, I have everything else to take care of. How can I, you know, take care of myself and it would be selfish. And when really the reverse is true. Yes. Oh gosh. When my son was in crisis for a year, I just, followed him around like a puppy dog, just making sure he was okay. And like literally making sure he was not dead. And that's when I lost myself. And I I didn't have any of these tools in my tool belt yet. And I thought, well, whatever is going on with me, is so unimportant because I'm here trying to save my son's life. And that, you know, I can be compassionate to that part of myself that thought that, but my son's got his own journey and he had plenty of people around him to protect him at certain times. You know, for instance, when he was in treatment centers or whatever, he was away from the house. So I, he's out of my hands at that point, Mm -hmm. but still I just felt like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. I can't do anything for myself. must do everything for my child. Mm -hmm. But Oh man, I totally lost my mind in that year. Oh my goodness. It was so bad. And when I got with Heather and she said, well, you got to turn things around and take care of you first. So I was like, what? what? <laughs> you yes. want me to do what? Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. But it was like a magic potion. It mm-hmm. worked so mm-hmm. beautifully because then I had energy bandwidth to deal with him because I was more grounded yes. and more pulled together. Absolutely. Well, it's like in the airplane, for example, they always say, put your, your mask on before your child's mask. You know, it's like watering a flower. I mean, the flower in order to bloom, you know, needs water and sunlight every day. Otherwise it's Mm going to shrivel up (laughs) or or even a wheel, squeaky wheel needs oil. You just have, it's, it's just, there's so many examples of that, but so often, like you said, we think that's the last thing I'd be thinking about doing. But another problem I also see an obstacle is that I think parents or moms think, oh, well, you know, 
it's all or nothing. Like, you know, I, if I, if I can't spend three hours just going to the spa or going for a long five mile run or something, then yeah, it's just not yeah. going to count. So it's like, it's either all or nothing. And, and that's, it's not really effective or true because you can also think you could be busy and you can use the word and in there. So, okay, I have a lot to do today and I could take 10 minutes for myself or I have so much to do today or whatever. And I could still make 10 minutes for myself or I could still go for a little walk or I could still go to bed early or something. Yeah. And that's the other thing yeah. people don't even, I mean, self-care I think is, it's not just like manicures and pedicures and going to a spa. It, I think it encompasses so many areas. It includes your, your physical and you know, well-being. So movement, it includes your mental and emotional state, your social and relationship areas, you know, your relationships with people, even your environment. I think if it's cluttered and messy and <laughs> you're choking, yeah. then you kind of feel that stress and clutter in your own life and mentally. So yeah. relationships could cause a lot of stress. So sometimes you need boundaries. Sometimes you need yeah. to eliminate friends or, or limit your time with certain people. Mm-hmm. I think having a spiritual practice, whether it's religious or meditative or both going to church or or meditating or whatever, however, that element is important or doing devotionals or, and then finally just having fun and pleasure, like doing things. Oh, fun. (laughs) What? I know. (gasps) Don't have fun. I know. (laughs) What is that? I know. But when they do, that's the amazing thing. When they do, it's almost like, oh my gosh, they just like, they feel so different. Like, oh my goodness, I feel fulfilled. I feel rejuvenated. Like the benefits are enormous, as you've mentioned, you know, so. Yeah, my fun is my taiko drumming. I've talked about that on the pod before. Oh, I love that. That is so cool. We just had a concert and it was like, like one of the mountaintop experiences of my life, Mm. this concert, which was three years in the making because of COVID. But that has been my saving grace. And I started that after Joey was in crisis because it's it's Japanese drumming. For those that don't know, it's a big giant drums where your arms are flailing and it's very athletic. Physical, and, yeah. Yeah. But I wanted to connect with Joey's heritage. He's mm. Japanese. And so that was the reason I picked that. Plus, I love I love drumming. Yeah. But it has been so fun mm. and therapeutic and just something for me. Yeah. It's one of the few things that it just I do. It's only me and it's a 45 minute drive one way and it is so worth it. I just went there last night and it is just my little treat. I absolutely love that. That's great. It's been so great. And if you would have told me your kid is going to be struggling with drugs and you're going to go once a week, 45 minutes away to this (laughs) class, I'd be like, you've got to be kidding. (laughs) I don't have time for that. But that has been the best thing I've ever done. One of the best things I've ever done. And you know what? When mama's happy, yeah, <laughs> everybody's happy. Exactly. And it's helped so much, not only just me, but it's helped our whole situation because I'm able to get some of my angst out through the, the drumming and I come back refreshed and renewed and ready to deal mm-hmm. with whatever is the next crisis, <laughs> crisis of the day. You have more energy for everyone and everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. It's a little counterintuitive. How do you convince moms? I mean, if a mom's like in the middle of it, either, you know, with a teenager struggling or with a toddler or whatever, whatever's there's always something going on with our kids. How do you convince them 
to do this stuff for themselves. I mean, it sounds great, la, 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 yeah. but actually to do it, how do you get them to that point? That's a really good question, Beth. What what happens with our brains, again, we, we have that belief system that we don't have time and it, mm-hmm. it, we'd feel guilty or it would be selfish. So, you know, our brains keep us in that place. Our primitive brains like to keep us where we are safe, comfortable in that cave, so to speak, mm-hmm. and, and not trying anything different, not going out of that, yeah. not doing anything scary or, or like anything you'd feel guilty or any other emotion about. So you kind of have to take your prefrontal cortex, the adult brain and kind of override that. Mm. Actually, I think one way we, I'll give you a few, but one way would just be just taking a small step. You don't have to go from zero to hundred. Let's say, okay, I want to read 10 pages of a book today, or I want to go for a 10 minute walk. That's a small thing, you know, and, uh-huh. and, and then that 10 minute walk by yourself, if you can get, mm-hmm. you know, whoever to watch the kids, just being outside in nature, just taking a deep yeah. breath, just noticing the flowers and trees and birds and getting that vitamin D from the sun and oh, just getting some oxygen and some, some movement will, will make that just 10 minutes. Yeah. And so you start thinking, wow, you start telling yourself, let's see, I just spent 10 minutes on myself when I didn't think I had any time today. And I feel really great. Like, you know, you feel so good. So, so it, and, and then, you know, I, when I coach my clients, I, you know, I encourage them, we set up goals for the week and, you know, little things you might want to start a tip would be just rather than say, okay, I'm going to, that felt so good. I'm going to walk seven days this week. And it's like, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. It's like, start slow. Your, your brain is, uh-huh. you're going to start fast and burn yourself out. So just say, okay, this week, I'm going to try to go twice a week or next week. You'll uh-huh. go four times a week or something. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. so just do it like slowly increasing. So your brain is slowly getting used to it. It becomes like a habit, you know, uh-huh. and having a, a life coach like you having that accountability would be really great. Like you help set a plan up yes. and a goal. And, and then the next week you come back and go, how did that go? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And then if, it, if they didn't do it, okay. What were the obstacles? Yeah. Let's figure out exactly what was holding you back or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Those 10 minutes walking or whatever the person feels like would help them. It like gives you way more than 10 minutes worth of, of stuff back. 100%. Like it, it's so much, uh, cause you'll feel better. You'll have more energy you know, you'll make up for it in other ways. But I love that idea of starting small and just doing a little bit at a time. Don't make a giant shift, especially if your kid's in crisis as well. Just do a tiny shift. And one thing I always am very careful about too is never to get hangry. Mm-hmm. You know, I my food is so important to me. I always carry food with me. Yeah. Back in the day when I never knew what was going to happen with Joey, you know, any day I might have to go pick him up from school. I might have to take mm-hmm. him to the ER. I might have to be checking him into a hospital. Yes. Who knows? And so I always had food with me because if I get hangry, it is no good for anybody. It's like terrible. <laughs> exactly. That's so, and you can, and knowing that, that awareness of knowing that you do get that way, you can plan uh-huh. for it. So you can keep yeah. some, you know, trail mix in your car or something yeah. or, or plan your meals in advance or, you know, mm-hmm. be prepared. So you're not just, you know, panicking on what, what am I going to eat tonight? Or I don't have any food in the house or something. Yeah. It just takes a few minutes, but then I am able to function 
So when he had any sort of crisis, I was able to, you know, yes. be present. So those little things, oh, they yeah. seem small, but they're really big. That just basic taking care of yourself stuff. So, so true. Really big. Uh, food is one and nourishing your body properly with energy foods. Mm-hmm. Hydration bath is so good too. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, when I wake up and I, I have a full glass of water before I have coffee, before I have anything else, because your brain is primarily water. It's comprised of mm-hmm. water. So you need to just keep that brain hydrated. You think better, you feel better. It's better for your skin. You look better, you, you know, and also sleep. I mean, so many times we think oh, we yes. have to burn ourselves out. I have to get this done. You're up until midnight and then up at five or so, you know, having the proper amount of sleep gives you so much energy too. So those basic little things yeah, go a long way too. One more important thing besides the small steps is I think it's important to schedule that time. So, you know, it's funny how like when you have to go to work or when you have to go to a doctor's appointment or something, you don't miss that doctor's appointment, right? So on the calendar, put it on the calendar. So say, okay, um, you know, my husband will be home or my wife, whatever, you know, whatever's going on at this time, I'm going to, I'll go for my walk during this time or the kids can watch, you know, stay home by themselves. I'm doing it now. And you make it a non-negotiable thing. Mm -hmm. You just say, okay. And you tell the kids, unless there's fire or blood, <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, call yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. My my time is very structured. It helps me to not overwork. I actually give myself end times and times to plan my meals and times to do all that stuff. That That's very helpful. Mm. That's very good. Mm-hmm. So when people use you as a life coach, what does it look like? You meet for once a week? Yes, we meet once a week. We meet on Zoom. um, And it's generally 30 to 45 minutes. And we we just talk. And the the thing about a life coach is it's kind of like a life coach is not your best friend and where your best friend will get jump in that pool with you and say, Oh, that's awful. Or this is terrible. It's like, I'm going to be holding a very neutral space, a very uh-huh. um, safe and neutral, loving space and, you know, and, and help you create awareness with uh-huh. what you're going through, because we always have these stories in our minds. And once I, you know, I show you that, you know, that, that thought might be optional. It kind of changes everything. And yeah, um, the beliefs are so mm, important. Mm-hmm, Changing mm-hmm. those beliefs, is, it takes a lot of intention. That's, that's really great. How long... Do people typically get coaching? Do you have a series of appointments? Everybody has different packages. You can have a year package, three months, six months. Every coach is different on that, but it takes time to, to be aware. And, and you know, through coaching and our our school, you know, we use this great model. Mm-hmm. I love that model. And it's so, it's so powerful. I mean, I know you know that it's, it's changed your life once you realized how much control you have over your thoughts, right? Yes, that's the thing. I'm not uh, being tossed about by the waves anymore. I I get to choose, you know, Joey might be having a really hard day, but that doesn't mean I have to. That means, you know, I have compassion for him, but it doesn't have to derail me anymore. I get to choose. Exactly. I get to choose. Exactly. So, yeah. That's so good. I, I love, yeah, I love your, whatever that school is called you guys went to. <laughs> 
the life coach school, Brooke Castillo. It's really the best. It's really the best school out there. And she, oh, she's a solid. great mentor. Yeah. Solid, solid. Yeah. I need to introduce you to Heather. Yes, I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> so when moms come to you, what are, what are some of the goals that they come to you with? And is that goals that they end up with, or do you end up changing goals after they figure out what's the real problem? <laughs> yes. Well, it's, the goal could be anything from trying to make more time for yourself or getting projects done or, you know, um, dealing with difficult relationships because, you know, that that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Or just whatever they're going through right now. So many times you probably know, and, you know, struggling parents also, they, they spend so much time worrying or thinking and spinning and being overwhelmed. And these are the things that we, whatever it is, whatever's going on in their life, we will just sit there and break them down and I'll create awareness for them. And we'll look at different options. And like, I was even thinking of some, you know, struggling parents, your listeners can just get relief from, from this mm-hmm. model. Well, I think so often we lose ourselves and we lose our control and lose everything because we have these thoughts and the model that we, we use is that the circumstance is actually neutral. So mm-hmm. if your child is whatever substance they're abusing, they're taking this drug or they are smoking this, whatever, that is actually just a fact. It's a neutral fact. Mm-hmm. And it's when it gets sticky and heavy is when we start, you know, having these thoughts about them and you can add into this, but, you know, I'm, I'm thinking thoughts like, this is awful. This shouldn't be happening. Um, even things like I may lose him or her, you know, mm-hmm. what if they don't survive? You know, like they, there's, mm-hmm. there's all layers of, I've had friends who have shared those thoughts with me and um, you know, how can I fix this? So you have all these really heavy thoughts going on, like putting this burden on you mm-hmm. when whatever the child is doing is from their thoughts, their feelings, their trauma, and they're taking the action. So it's really a totally separate model. And your model is now having this neutral circumstance. And then you're creating thoughts about them. And those thoughts, like I just mentioned, I mean, do those sound, do those resonate? Oh yeah. yeah oh so- my gosh. I'm, I was constantly terrified he would die. Yeah. And there were, I mean, there was a good reason for that. Cause he tried to kill himself. He was using really, really dangerous drugs, some in combination with others. And so it was not like out of the realm of possibility, sure. but as, as my life coach would tell me, she goes, well, you know, what if this could be the best thing that could have happened to him? You, why spend your whole life in that negative space of, mm-hmm. cause if, if you're constantly worried about him being dead, he's practically already dead in your mind then. So you're losing him now. Exactly. He's not dead right now. So go develop a positive relationship with him now Mm -hmm. uh, and whatever you can do in your head. That happened to me just a couple of, uh, was it just yesterday? Joey was having a really rough time and my mind was starting to go. I'm like, Oh my God, Mm -hmm. he's going to relapse. He's going to blah, blah, blah. He's going to be homeless. He's, I just went all the way. I was catastrophizing crazy. And I, and I thought, well, why am I going that direction? Why don't I think, wow, He's struggling, but maybe this struggle is what's going to tip him the other way, the good way that, oh, I need to get out of this situation. I need to change. You know, who knows? We're not mind readers or future uh, 
prognosticators. So why don't I just think the good way instead of the bad way? And then I don't live in terror all the time. Exactly. And that's that model I, I wanted to show you. Like when you have that thought, I may lose him. You know, mm -hmm. you start feeling these emotions like guilt and blame and fear mm -hmm. and hopelessness and mm -hmm. overwhelm and, you know, just frustration or whatever. Um, and so you're, what you do from that feeling is that you try to fix it or you spin in panic yeah. or you just keep, yes. like you said, rolling all the catastrophizing. That's an action. Oh. Um, trying to control the situation when, um, that, you know, that the result of that is actually you are losing yourself. Yeah. So you're yeah. worried about losing him, but you're actually losing yourself in the meantime. And you're not, yeah. nothing is fixed. You know, um, nothing is better. And you're spending right. your time spinning. You're, you're worn out. You're <laughs> drained. Yeah. And that's, that's the situation all because of, remember your thoughts, your thoughts are controlling yeah. all of that. So when you realize you have an option, it's like, it, that's like the, the best news ever because yeah. I'm not saying it's easy. So just to give you another example, I think that helping just accepting reality is, is a good starting point and just realizing, mm -hmm. okay, this happened, accept the fact that it happened. Uh -huh. um, and then start like thinking about that and giving yourself some compassion and say, yeah. well, of course I'm going to be worried. You're like, of course, of course, I'm feeling this way. You know, the acceptance of the situation, which is again neutral, just mm -hmm. um, it takes the pressure off. So you're not you're not fighting that reality; you're accepting yeah. it. And uh -huh. once you accept it, you're like, okay, this happened, so I can just breathe and just refocus, uh -huh. and just then you can decide how you want to go from there. So, to give an example of that, let's just say the same thing happened. Whatever substance was as abused, you can just, again, bring it to neutral and say, okay, I'm not trying to say let's, oh, this is great. Let's, let's, let's celebrate yeah. and go to rainbows and daisies. We're just saying, okay, let's bring it to neutral yeah. and say, this happened, you know, uh -huh. this is happening or this happened and it's neutral. So then you could ask yourself, how do I want to feel about this? And so you can, once you think that thought, okay, this happened, it's neutral, you know, then you can kind of you get a little bit of relief than all those other feelings of panic and guilt and hopelessness and fear and all of that. At least it's neutral, you know? Mm -hmm. So from that point, you could even be open to the possibility that maybe it's going to be okay. Like you said, it's, maybe yeah. it won't go to that extreme. Yeah. And maybe there's a possibility that there'll be a good, something good out of this, or it won't be that bad. Or, and, and from there, you could at least have maybe some feelings of hope or maybe motivation, mm -hmm. some relief. So it feels so much better than all that, you know? Oh yeah. There's so much spinning that can happen. Yeah. No, that that's very good advice. And our thoughts create all of the rest of it, right? Yes. It all starts with our thoughts. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if we can be aware of what our thoughts are and maybe with help change some of those thought patterns, exactly. then it changes yes. our feelings, it changes our actions, changes our results. And it just, it tumbles down from there. So it's really important. It does. And that's, that's what we as coaches do. You know, we, you might think it's a fact, well, of course, this is an awful thing. This is the worst thing in the world. Like, you know, you're believing that thought, but 
how can we come up with something like we just did a little bit more neutral or something that would feel better because ultimately you want to be able to support them and Mm -hmm. you don't have to believe, you don't have to take it personally. You don't have to make it about you. It's like we said, their model. And um, Mm -hmm. the other thing that's another action that you'd want to take too is sometimes when you're so overwhelmed with this one child who has this situation, I mean, you might have other children, you you have one son, but you know, there oftentimes children will be like, you're always spending time with so-and-so and yeah. well, they're feeling left out. So you want to be able to just be present with everybody. So when you control your thoughts like that, you could be more open to, yeah. you know, being yourself and born neutral and showing up as how you want to be as a parent in general to, mm-hmm. to all of them, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's all really, really good. I can attest to the fact that this, the model that Yvette is talking about works. It's really, really good stuff. It's helped me so much. Now, when you have a person working with you, is there ever a point where you go, nope, this is above my pay grade. You need a therapist. What What's the difference between coaching and therapy? When When is it time for therapy? 100%. Sometimes it's time for therapy right off the bat, you know, and, and mm. um, the difference generally some you know in a simple way is that therapy is dealing with trauma chemical imbalance you know mental illness past situations and a coach is taking you from the present forward so uh-huh. you're already at a it's just emotional wellness it's emotional you're getting to the next level of accomplishing where you want to be doing yeah. doing getting that support so it's a little bit different yeah but they work together. They're both important. Yeah. Both are good. Absolutely. Both are yes. good. I love coaching because it feels so much quicker. Well, yeah. it is quicker because <laughs> yeah. you don't have to dig through all the old stuff. You just like yes. from today going forward. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it's very quick reward. Sometimes therapy takes years of hashing mm. through, blah, 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 mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. you have to do. Everyone needs to do that too. Yes. But coaching has that kind of uh, instant gratification. Oh my gosh, in a week, I changed this and this. Oh yes. my gosh, that's so good. Uh, the trajectory is, is very steep. It's, it feels really good. And you can see the changes right away. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Is there anything else we wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about? Well, um, I know, you know, we talked about, you know, how it's so common for any mom to lose themselves, but especially in this, in a, traumatic or difficult situation. So we talked about the model and the power of our thoughts and and feeling our feelings and giving ourselves that compassion. We talked about how important self-care is. And I love that. I think in one of your podcasts, you mentioned, and I love this quote, you said, my son got better when I got better. Yes. So it's just great that you see the results. Yeah. That's a major thesis of this show is that you know, we can't fix our kid. They're, they're their own person, their own journey, but it's a system that they're abusing drugs or whatever's mental health is going on. It's in within a family system. So if anyone in that system can improve themselves, get some personal growth on board, it will affect everyone else. Yes. And our relationship has gotten so much better since I've learned these tools. And Joey now he's really made quite a bit of progress in the last several weeks. He's really, really doing good. That's awesome. So, and even when he's not doing well, we are still in communication. He knows that I'm still here for him. Even when he's totally off the rails, he knows that I'm still here for him. So I think that's a big, 
a big thing. That's so huge. And I, I listened yeah. to that this week's podcast and it really struck me because I, you know, we talked about lots of different tips and, and strategies, but basically like we started just being present and, and yeah. showing love and compassion to both you and to him. Like, yeah, so, yeah. you know, you, he must be going through something. So meet him where he is, show him love yes. and compassion. And then you could show yourself love and compassion for the emotions and the thoughts that you're having, yeah. and then you could move forward. But to me personally, I, I just feel that love is the most powerful emotion. Mm -hmm. When we start fighting with reality, trying to change things, try to control things, it's just mm -hmm. a losing battle because it's reality. You just have to accept it, but yeah. acceptance and then love and love is so powerful. And yeah. I love that this was perfect for this, this talk today, but your son said in this last, in this week was nurturing and love is the key to healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was so powerful, Beth. I loved it. Yeah, he is all about it. He understands that so clearly because what do we tend to do to our kids? We tend to shame them, punish them, yes. de degrade them. What are you doing? You know, you're not supposed to be doing X, Y, or Z, but oh God, that does not help. And yes. there's always a reason. If our kids are struggling, there's always a reason yes. they're hurting and they're grabbing substances or grabbing some behavior that is not healthy, but they're grabbing it because it works for them yes. in the short term yes. and then they get sucked in. Mm. So yeah, using that compassion, that nurturing, that's Joey's favorite word is nurturing. Mm. And uh, he is so wise about that. And mm -hmm. that it really, really, that is mm -hmm. really where it's at. So mm -hmm. if we can get, do that to ourselves too, moms, mm -hmm. do it to ourselves so yes. we know how to do it with our kids. Oh, exactly. that's so smart. Very mm -hmm. good. Very good. Yes. Well, if people wanted to get a hold of you, Yvette, how would they find you? I'm going to be putting together just a, a checklist of some tips that will help them. And I'll make that available to you through yvetteharpudian.com. And I'm on Instagram at ykhcoaching. And yeah, I'd love to hear from all of you, any of you. Yeah. Um, reach out on social media or my email is ykhcoaching at gmail.com. So. All right. I'll put all that information in the show notes so you can find it easily if you're listening. All right. That sounds really good. And make sure and find Safe Home Podcasts while you're out there in social media. Just look up Safe Home Podcast and any of the social medias were there. We also have a Patreon account. So if any of you are interested in helping support the podcast financially so we can maintain commercial-free episodes, find us at patreon.com slash safehome. And one last request, if you've listened this far, if you can go to Apple Podcasts, even if that's not what you listen to us on, go to Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. That would really help us to get the word out and get other people listening to the pod. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Yvette, for being here and sharing your wise words with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Beth. It was really joy. Yeah, I'm glad to know you. And I'm sure we'll be collaborating in the future. So nice to meet you. Yes, I look forward to that. Thank you. Thanks everyone for listening and supporting our family and Safe Home Podcast. Be well and Yvette and I want you all to stay, stay safe. safe.